What's up, family? Zach Pruitt here, and welcome to the Catalyst for Change podcast, where we help leaders lead better. I am so excited to get started with today's episode, which is called Catalyst for Change, where we're going to talk about the importance of leading change in our organizations. So most of you probably already know, and I, I said this in the trailer episode, but I recently wrote a book called Catalyst for Change. And man, that is just such an important book for you to check out and get if you are a leader of any kind. But do not worry, I am not using this episode as some sort of low-key plug for you to spend the next 20 minutes listening to me go on about my book. You're welcome. Don't worry, that's not what we are doing today. Instead, I really just want to focus on and hone in on the thought, Catalyst for Change. Now, I'm a definition guy, and I need to know the true meaning of words when I'm trying to study things out. Merriam-Webster and Blue Letter Bible are always my two very best friends when I am studying word meaning, okay? So let's really take a look at this. Are you ready? So the word catalyst, according to Miriam herself, is an agent that provokes or speeds significant change or action. I found it interesting that the word change is actually in the definition of catalyst, meaning that in order to be a catalyst for something, you inherently must be changing something. So what does that mean? Or what does change mean? Let's look at that first. What does change mean? Well, Merriam-Webster says that change is to replace something with something else, especially something of the same kind that is newer or better, to substitute one thing for another. So you take these two words and form the thought, catalyst for change, and what does that truly mean? It means being an agent that significantly provokes or speeds the replacement of something with something else that is newer or better. In other words, you see that something is no longer working like it should. There's something that is not meeting expectations or standards. There's something that may have worked at one point, but it's just not doing it any longer. And you are the one to quickly realize and notice that this thing is no longer sufficient, and you're quick to replace it with the best version. Or perhaps there is no better version and you need to find a substitute altogether. In other words, you don't allow status quo to exist. Any good leader does not allow status quo to exist in their organization. And this is what I found, but first let me explain this a little deeper. Status quo is very simply the acceptance that things are the way they are. There's no need or reason to change. We will just take what we have and desire no more. Now, in certain areas of life, that's really not a terrible thought or a terrible thing. Sometimes you need to learn to be content with what you've been given and where you are in life. But in the same breath, there are times where you need to light a fire under yourself and get to move it. And any good leader who wants their organization to grow, their staff to become better, and to make a greater impact on their community, state, nation, or even the world, then just accepting what you've been given is not a thing. 
And this is what I found. Any time that there are symptoms of status quo or a lackadaisical attitude in, in anything, in technology, for example, making sure that all technology is up to date and it's, that it's the best that it can be, or in your systems and structures and whatever area of the organization you can think of, if there are symptoms of status quo or a lackadaisical attitude in any area of the organization, I guarantee you it can stem back to the leader in one way or another every single time. Why? Because they're the leader. That is why they have been placed at the head of the organization or the department or however the structure flow may be. It is their responsibility to ultimately make sure that all things, all people, all structures are operating as they should be. They're the head. They are the thermometer for every single person that reports to them. They are the one that sets the temperature of expectation, excitement, commitment, and loyalty. So if there are symptoms of status quo existing, it's either because the leader is acting in the same manner themselves, or they are at least allowing it to exist. And unfortunately, there are people who won't be able to meet that temperature of expectation that the leader sets. If the leader has set the temperature to 70, 72 degrees, but they can only get themselves to 68 degrees, guess what? Those people just aren't a good fit for the team or the organization. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking about someone who just started last week, okay? Let's not get crazy. But someone who has been around for a while and just isn't able to meet expectations. If the temperature of expectation is set to 72 degrees, but a team member can only get themselves to 68 degrees, then they're just not a good fit for that team or the organization as a whole. Because what happens is the thermostat of expectation is set to 72 degrees by the leader. But when 68 degree air is constantly being pushed in, the air conditioning unit, aka the rest of the team, is having to work extra hard in order to make up for the cold air so that the temperature expectation can still be met. But eventually, even the best air conditioning unit gets worn out. And when you aren't taking proper care of your unit and you're trying to run the heat with the windows open and the unit is constantly running harder than it should ever have to, the unit as a whole is going to cause you way more problems and wear out quicker. But it's when you keep the doors closed and the windows closed and you make sure that the building is sealed properly, the unit is able to operate as it should and it's going to last longer and serve you better. You're not going to have as many issues arise that have to be taken care of. So this is what I'm saying. Yes, it may hurt and stink to have to let some people go. And you may think that you are doing the organization or your department good by keeping them and letting them stay because, hey, at least it's another body. But instead, you're actually causing extra wear and tear on everyone else, and they will only be able to tolerate it for so long before they just quit. And it doesn't mean that that someone you are letting go isn't a good person. It doesn't mean that they actually weren't an overall good employee. But if you have the temperature of expectation set, then let that be the expectation 
and nothing else be acceptable. And what you absolutely cannot do is lower the expectation. You can't do it. Granted, yes, you know what is absolutely foolish and unreasonable. But if you set an expectation because you know that's where it needs to be, don't let someone who is unwilling or uh, unable to match it be what causes you to expect less. Because before you know it, your expectation will be nothing more than status quo. You'll be satisfied just to get through another day with minimal or no problems and you're ready to call it a day. If it doesn't cause you and your people to stretch a little bit, it's not big enough. It's not growing. It's not becoming better. So going back to being a catalyst for change, as a leader, you have been handed the most difficult task of being the thermostat. You have been the one given all responsibility to set the expectation and to make sure that your systems and structures and people are able to match it. And so many times, in order to do that very thing effectively, you're going to also have to be a catalyst for change. You're going to have to be proactive in identifying areas of weakness, potential future problems, team members that aren't performing, technology that doesn't operate effectively, systems and structures that aren't working, and to do something about it quickly. That's the definition. That's that's what the definition is, is to do it quickly. As a leader, in order to be an effective catalyst for change, you need someone that you can trust. Now, you know, at first, you're probably going to be the one that's constantly doing everything, essentially. But as your organization grows and as you develop other leaders, you're going to need someone that you can trust who is consistently looking at areas of your organization and evaluating future potential problems and breakdowns and know how to handle them when they arise or how to avoid them altogether before they do. There should be very little that catches you off guard in your organization. You know, when endorsing my book, my friend John Groves actually wrote this, and it is so good. He said, the fact that change can cost you everything makes it a very sub, a very scary subject in most circles. Often, even the word change carries a connotation of such negativity that both the word and ideology are avoided at all costs, leaving a great problem. When it comes to the cost of change, failure to evaluate the price of change is equally as devastating as failing to consider what it will cost to stay the same. And man, that is so true because so many times we consider the cost of letting someone from our team go that, as I said, may actually be a really good person and not even necessarily a bad employee overall. But we rarely will truly consider or understand the cost of letting an underperformer stay. We think it's best because, hey, at least it's another body and some work is better than none, right? But in all reality, we would have been better to let that person go, experience a short stint of being understaffed, but then finding someone else who could adequately fill the role 
so that the team is no longer pulling the extra weight on a permanent basis. Because not letting that person go means that your team is forever having to make up for that person's lack. And those team members will not continue doing that forever. And you'll find yourself six months, a year, three years, five years down the road. And some of your best team members have left and quit because they could not or would not handle the extra and unnecessary load any longer. But guess what? You still got your employee that'll operate at about 75%. So what did you accomplish? So listen to me, leaders. Be that catalyst for change. Be that person who is always looking ahead and quick to change what is no longer working effectively in your organization. It's not always easy, but it's usually the things that are most difficult to change that are the most necessary and rewarding. Yes, be sure that you plan, that you research, that you ask for other professional opinions, and you do all of the steps that are wise and noble of any leader before making any changes in your organization, especially the big ones. But at the same time, do not be the leader who is always dragging their feet. Be the leader that is inspiring, and innovative. Be the leader that is one step ahead of the game and is always adapting to technology and other changes that may come your way. You think certain things don't matter, but don't make the mistake of assuming things don't matter to your team because they don't matter to you. Again, that's acting out of a status quo mindset, and you may not even realize it. Lee Robertson said this, everything rises and falls on leadership. In other words, leaders have the power to make things better or worse for people who follow them and are impacted by their leadership. The better the leader, the better the team and the organization gets. The worse the leader, the worse the team and organization gets. In fact, you can read John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And one of those laws is the law of the lid, which states the leadership ability determines a person's level of effectiveness. Your team's and organization's effectiveness is capped out at whatever your level of leadership is. They really can't go beyond that. It goes back to what I said earlier about how every time you see symptoms of status quo in an organization, it always goes back to the leader. That's why. It's an irrefutable law of leadership. The people are merely following the leader. They are doing what the leader has shown and what the leader has allowed. So sometimes as leaders, we aren't only changing what's around us, but we're first changing us. We're being the catalyst for change in our own lives, in our own selves, and realizing that we aren't being the leader we need to be. And we've got to change and grow ourselves before we can ever expect more from our team. The Bible says that judgment begins at the house of God. Well, I would take the use of the basis of that statement, and I would flip that to say the change must begin with the leader. It absolutely has to. And we need more leaders who are willing to look at themselves first and understand that change has to begin with them before it can ever overflow into their team. Be that catalyst for change. Be that leader 
Be that person who isn't afraid to lead change when you know something is not working. Don't, don't just let it sit there and fester and cause more issues down the road. Fix it now and you won't regret it. All right, family, that's about all that I have for you today. But before we end every episode, I always want to give you a little bit of a dive into what I'm currently reading. I'm an avid reader and I'm always reading something. So, I mean, hey, if you if you enjoy reading books as much as I do, hopefully this will just be a great way to get some recommendations for your own self. And um, so this book, this week, I am reading The Self-Aware Leader, Play Your Strengths, and Unleash Your Team by John Maxwell. And this is actually one of the first few books of John Maxwell's that I've ever read. I haven't read a ton of his stuff, but I've really been enjoying it. It's not a super long book, so it's a quicker read for sure, but really been picking up some nuggets on being a more self-aware leader and more self-aware of what my strengths are and using those to better the team that I'm leading. One particular thought that stood out to me was when John Maxwell was sharing an encounter that he had where someone shared a piece of advice with him. And it was this, and it's really good, so you need to get this. The piece of advice was this. The worst mistake you could ever make is not to ask what mistakes you are making. In other words, allow your team permission to point out mistakes that you are making, admit those mistakes, and learn from them. Such incredible leadership stuff, I'm telling you. Uh, I'll throw an Amazon link to the book in the show notes. And hey, if you have some book suggestions for me, feel free to shoot them my way. Um, So like I said, every episode, I'm going to throw out what I'm currently reading. Or if we happen to have a guest that that episode, we'll ask them what they're reading. And we'll just kind of get some suggestions and ideas of what good books are out there and what some of the best leaders out there are reading at the moment. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Zach underscore Pruitt on Twitter at Zach underscore Pruitt 96. All that info and more is at ZachPruitt.com. And if you would, please be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button to stay up to date with all new episodes. And be sure to rate as well. That helps more than you know. I hope you have an incredible day and week. My name is Zach, and this is the Catalyst for Change podcast, where we help leaders lead better.